Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Watergate scandal continues to grip the nation as the infamous 18 and a half minute gap in the There's a tape. Yeah, this tape was never subpoenaed. Why? Nobody knows it exists. I think the best course of action is that I take the tape. I give you this tape, you splash it all over the cover of the Times, it gets traced back to me in a heartbeat. You win the Pulitzer and I get indicted. <laughs> no. I think there's a motel nearby. The Silver Sands could go there and listen to me. We leave. Off season. Anything is possible, young lady. I don't know how, but they hey, know we're here. Hey, who is they? Could be anyone. Could be the FBI, the CIA, KGB. Could be a post reporter we for all I know. We need to listen to the tape. You know what to do. Who is it, dear? Oh, it's a newlywed couple. We brought her oh. player from home, and it was broken. We were wondering if we could borrow yours. 18 and a half minute gap. Maybe. No one is supposed to hear us. What is happening? Nixon. Let this Watergate thing get out of our grip box. It's a drag. Um, like this, Al? I pushed the right two buttons, right? What is, is that the news? Are you, are you listening to Nixon? Soak it up. Get us some beer. Well, that's no good, Al. I want to be remembered, Bob. You will, sir. You will. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 444. Released in July 5 on digital and video on demand is 18 and a half, a political thriller comedy set in 1974 that stars Willa Fitzgerald as a transcriber who attempts to pass on a tape to a reporter played by John Magaro that features the infamous 18 and a half minutes missing from the Nixon tapes a historical fiction satire that delves into a political scandal that still holds a great deal of intrigue decades later. 18 and a Half is also the the latest film from director Dan Mirovich. I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast, Dan. I thank you so very much for your time today. No, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So it's really interesting just reading up about yourself. So, you know, some filmmakers, they do things maybe about Washington, might make a film about Washington or something political. You yourself, though, you've actually worked in Washington DC. You were a speechwriter for I think I believe was a, a Democrat senator. Yeah, um, yeah. Back um, back in the day, so you were kind of like in the belly of the beast, so you kind of know some things, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, I literally worked in the in the basement of the Capitol. Um, yeah, I worked for a couple of years uh, for Senator Tom Harkin, the senator from Iowa, and um, as a speechwriter, and and also worked a little bit as a journalist in DC as well. So I kind of saw that side of it. And yeah, and it's just it, and and then I went to film school, but uh, but it's always fascinated me the the culture of Washington, and particularly how and and this is what's relevant to this film is how young people, you know, twenty three year old, twenty five year olds have access to in, incredible information and and ultimately power in D.C. and how they wield it in different ways. Um, I mean, in the states, we just had this big um, testimony you know, this week from this 25 year old that was dropping bombshell after bombshell about Trump. Yeah. Hutchinson, which is remarkably the same subtext as 
our movie, which is yeah. about a 25 year old young White House staffer who has this incredible information uh, about Nixon and wants to leak it to um, to the press and, and, and has the courage to do it. So I was I was watching those hearings this week. And I was like, wow, this is still incredibly relevant. <laughs> It's interesting, though, in regards to Watergate. I mean, you mentioned before the whole Cassidy Hutchison um, testimony. That's at the um, January 6th um, uh, uh, riot um, uh, trials. We've had so many political scandals since the time of Watergate. Um, but, however, the whole the whole Watergate thing, the whole thing with Nixon and the tapes, is something that still really intrigues people and still makes great content as well. We had the Gaslight TV series not long ago with um, Sean Penn and Julia Roberts and, and a lot of movies since then. What do you think it comes down to that moment in time, that time in America, especially, especially in regards to the whole Nixon tapes and Watergate that really still kind of just holds, just has a grip on everyone uh, to the point where like a filmmaker like yourself are still making uh, films based around the, the issues mm-hmm. of that time? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think in general, Watergate was kind of the last nail in the coffin for people's trust in authority. I mean, we'd mm-hmm. had the assassinations in the 60s, the Vietnam War, the hippie movement. And, and really with Watergate, it was finally the last nail where people were like, you know, we just can't trust the presidency anymore. You know, can we trust government? Can we trust anyone? And, and that has led to a cynicism that's lasted for 50 years. Um, that's part of it. Also part of it is that Watergate as a scandal lasted a really long time. It lasted about two and a half years. Um, so it re- it really, and it was the first real televised scandal. It was on TV 24 seven. You couldn't escape it. Um, I mean, when I started to talk to, uh, Bruce Campbell, who, who plays the voice of Nixon in the film, he said, yeah, when he was 14, he would just, instead of playing baseball outside, he watched the Watergate scandal, you know, the, the Senate hearings that, that we had then. Um, and then I think the 18 and a half minute gap, which is, uh, which is kind of what, what this movie is a little bit about, um, hence the title eight and a half is, um, you know, that was a real turning point within the scandal. That was when mm. everybody, even Nixon's own party, the Republican party really kind of turned against him. And so that's why that is a pivotal, is a pivotal point in the scandal that people still remember and make reference to. And, you know, when there was some gap in Trump's records for seven and a half hours, and of course, everyone's comparing that to the eight and a half, 18 and a half hour gap, or 18 and a half a minute gap. So um, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why it's resonating. And, and this is the 50th anniversary of the, uh, of the beginning of the scandal. Um, right. Right now. So when it comes to that whole thing about what was happening at the time in, in, the, in the States, does technology play a big part in that as well? Because when you think about it, um, you're talking about the tape, you're talking about the Senate hearings on TV, things on TV, people yeah. are tuning in now. Um, they could have, you know, you could have, um, there's probably things that happened before Watergate and Nixon in the in the history of the presidency would just have been as big, of course, you know, civil war, et cetera. But because people have such immediate access to it at that time, I imagine that will left an incredibly, incredible imprint on a lot of people in that generation. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you could hear these tapes that that Nixon was uh, part of it was that 
you know, the scandal itself revolved around these burglars bugging the, the breaking in and, and trying to bug the, the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Watergate Hotel. That's why it's called Watergate. Um, but Nixon was also bugging himself. I mean, that was yeah. the bizarre revelation that came in the hearings was that Nixon had this taping system in four or five offices in the White House. He There were these voice activated microphones that were recording everything. And even Nixon himself would forget about it sometimes and <laughs> and just say the most outlandish things, which is what ultimately got him kicked out of office. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, it was it was uh, then the, the media could you, you know, and television could use these tapes. You could really, you know, everyone in America could could hear Nixon saying these dastardly things on these tapes. And um, and so, yeah, the, the the you know, the fact that it was all on mass media was it was a big part of it. Um, uh, for sure. It just, it, it made me chuckle there how you said how Nixon even forgot that he was being recorded. I can imagine him waking up maybe two o'clock in the morning and, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> we have to take that time out, right? And that's yeah, pretty much what exactly. the 18 and a half minutes was, right? Yeah. And we, you know, we found out that there really are tapes of Nixon listening to his own tapes in a room right. that was also further bugged. I mean, that's kind of gave us the idea for for our how Connie, our character played by Willa Fitzgerald, has access to this 18 and a half minute gap it's because she has a tape of a tape so yeah nixon would do that he would go in and, and go back and try to listen to his own tapes i want to talk about the the location of of your film sure well, i understand silver sands is this correct silver it's kind of like the hotel yeah. result there um mm -hmm. where did the idea come from to having kind of like this kind of clandestine kind of uh situation going to riot kind of be based in, in that in that locale there well, the location came first, basically. The um, you know, in it, right at uh, literally the day after Trump got elected president in 2016, um, I was in New York and was visiting um, first uh, my friend Jules Pfeiffer, who's a famous cartoonist, Pulitzer Prize Oscar-winning screenwriter, who uh, who wrote my last film, Bernard and Huey, and we were talking about Trump and comparing him to Nixon. And then that night, I took a ferry. Uh, over to Greenport, Long Island, where my friend Terry Keefe owns this motel and uh, that his grandparents had built in the 50s and 60s. But Terry's done a great job preserving its kind of vintage look and vibe. And it's a, it's a working motel during the summer, but he's done a lot of fashion shoots and music videos. But he said, no one's ever shot a feature here. And mm. we're closed in the winter. And Dan, if you think of an idea, we can shoot it here. And he was with me talking, about, talking to Pfeiffer about Nixon and Watergate. And I was like, yeah, let's see if we can come up with a way to find a Watergate script that, you know, and, and a story that would make sense at a seaside resort. So we we transposed it to Maryland, which is close to D.C. So at least geographically, it made a bit more sense <laughs> and uh, and then came up with the storyline. Let's talk about the casting. Connie is played by Willa Fitzgerald. Now, when you started a film in this um, um, 18 and a half, it was in 2020, I'm pretty sure. It's when you started. Reacher comes out maybe a year or two after that. And Willow at that time was a working is it was a working actress. She's been in like a few series and such, but Reacher has like really kind of put a new spotlight on her, yeah. kind of like on her status as, as an actress. Um, what was it like casting her? Because from what I understand, she was kind of like the first in, first cast kind of situation. Is that correct? Well, she was the first person I met with, and actually I think the only person I met with in person. Um, she was recommended by her agent, but also she'd worked with a director, Lucky McKee, who I've known for years. We both go back to like working with Ryan Johnson in, in film school. 
and um, and Lucky said great things about her. And you know, we thought about other people over the ensuing months, but we kept coming back to Willow. Like, oh yeah, Willow was great. We really liked her. Yeah, we should cast her. <laughs> so, so we did, and um, and she was fantastic. And and then uh, the film also stars John Magaro. Um, who was in First Cow and Kelly Reichardt, who I know a little bit, she recommended him. And if she recommends someone, I, I listen to her. And, um, you know, so, uh, so my relationships with other directors really helped inform, you know, who, who the cast would be. But honestly, when it comes to making these kind of independent films, it, a lot of it is just schedule and availability and luck. Mm. It, it's if, if, you know, if people are busy shooting a pilot in LA, they can't shoot an indie feature in New York. Um, yeah, so, and we were right at the beginning of the pandemic. This is, we started shooting March 3rd, 2020. What could possibly go wrong in March of 2020? Right. And, um, and there was all, so we kind of, even then we sort of knew we kind of needed to cast uh, from New York, uh, New York based actors. It was getting a little, people were getting a little reluctant to travel across the country even then. So anyway, as it turns out, we got about 11 days in, we found out we were one of the last films shooting in North America. And then we, um, and then we shut down with only four days left to go. And six months later, we were able to go back up and running and everyone came back. What people wouldn't know is that the 18 and a half minutes is portrayed in, in your film, the voice actors on there, you mentioned one of them already, Bruce Campbell played Nixon, also Ted Raimi, John Cryer, with the exception of John Cryer, kind of almost had like a February union there uh, working yeah. uh, in your in your tape there. How did that kind of all come together? And is it, and is it true that you actually, it's because of the whole pandemic situation, you essentially did this recording kind of like what we're doing right now over Zoom? Exactly. Yeah, we uh, well, Bruce, someone that I we had talked about working together on the last film I did and that schedule didn't work out. And then even on this film, originally he was going to play the character that body Curtis Hall plays in the film. Um, but then he'd had some surgery and he couldn't do like fight scenes any for a while. Uh, but then when we talked, then I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to lose you. Bruce, I, I got to make a movie with Bruce Campbell. Come on. Um, yeah. uh, I said, how about doing the voice of Nixon? And he loved that idea because he he had just played Ronald Reagan in an episode of Fargo. And then, as I mentioned, he, you know, he had this fondness for Watergate, you know, or, or this familiarity with Watergate uh, dating back to his teenage years. So then he suggested uh, Ted Raimi because they were old friends from the Evil Dead days. You know, Ted is Sam's younger brother. So they were, you know, they'd known each other you know, for 50 years. Uh, and then John Cryer is someone that I've known for about 30 years. He was actually a fan of my first film and we've been in touch over the years about working together, but also hadn't, hadn't found a time. Um, so the plan was to, to do this recording in a studio in LA when they were all in the same place at the same time and sometime in post-production. But then, yeah, as we were in that first lockdown period in like june may or june of 2020 we realized these guys are spread around the world because uh ted was in canada bruce was in oregon john was in la we're like they've all got you know halfway decent microphones now uh they've all got everyone's got zoom and actors were had nothing to do for about six months the screen mm. actors guild wouldn't let any productions go into you know start yet and they couldn't do theater they couldn't do you know, film or TV. So this was a, a great way for us to be able to do essentially an 18 and a half minute radio play or radio drama within, you know, the film and to all be working creatively at a time when everyone was around the world was incredibly depressed, you know, and couldn't, and creative 
folks like us, you know, couldn't do anything. And, and it was, it was really recharged all of us to be able to say, all right, well, we're still working on a movie, you know? The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, TeePublic is sure to have something you will love. When it comes to the whole technology aspect of it, again, we're just talking there about Zoom. Your movie, of course, deals with reel-to-reel tapes. Yeah. Um, first question in regards to that. When it comes to, to Willow, how she kind of handles the tapes and everything, did she have any any knowledge or experience with it before? Is that something she had to do kind of like on the, on the, on the cuff and kind yeah. of like work it out and to give her a hand with it? Yeah, we, we gave her one of the tape players in her hotel room and she just practiced, you know. And that was, um, yeah, so she was just, you know, she she took to it pretty quickly. Um, uh, are the voices on the tape, are they actually, is that, is that a real work in real to real that you're working with on the set or are you just putting the voices in post-production? We, but the answer is both. So it is a real working real to real player. I mean, we found them, we had to get like four of them, I think, uh, for the whole film. And we found them on eBay and they're all still work, working players. Um, but the way we shot the film was we we actually recorded a scratch track, just myself, my writing partner, Daniel Moya, and our, our script, uh, script supervisor, Tamara, um, just played the three voices just to get the timing right. Because And then it was complicated because we you shoot it with, with no voices coming out. Um, but uh, Daniel, my partner, was he would listen to our scratch track. Well, we would rehearse with the actors, with Will and, and John, um, to them hearing the scratch track. Then during the takes, we would just have uh, Daniel just yell out like kind of cue terms like, you know, Liddy or ITT or things like that. And they would react to it. And then three months later during the pandemic, that's when we recorded the real 18 and a half minute gap. Uh, with the the voice actors and then timed it back to the scratch track that we had. So it was, it was complicated, but it worked. The contents of your 18 and a half minutes brought about just these really kind of fascinating tidbits about Watergate that I had no idea about. So my knowledge of Watergate is like, you know, all the president's men, Frost, Nixon, right. kind of like the fingers through like popular culture, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Howard Hughes, the Howard Hughes connection is really interesting. So for people who remember DiCaprio played him, Aviator, Right. Um, you know, that's that's where a lot of 
people like over the last 20 years will remember who that man was. But at the time, he was like, even though a reckless is still kind of like a, a kind of like a very kind of pop culture figure. Yeah. And so from what I understand, there was something in regards to a hundred thousand dollar bribe from Houston and Nixon campaign. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that and that was really just the tip of the iceberg. They had this long, weird relationship that had gone back, you know, 20 years. And um uh, and I actually just a couple of weeks ago, I talked to someone that had worked as as a legal intern at the Watergate Senate Committee who who had just watched our film. And he said, yeah, you know, we everything we kind of suggest in the film as what could have been on the tape, because, of course, nobody knows what was on the tape. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, we were looking into the whole Hughes connection. That is as plausible as any other explanation, um, because there were all these very strange connections with, with Hughes and Nixon at the time and and between Hughes and ITT and and uh, which was a big conglomerate at the time. And that was actually, a, that scandal was on the front page news of, you know, front page right before Watergate, literally the day right. of Watergate, ITT's on the front page. But the Howard Hughes story was too. So, um, but those kind of side elements, people don't remember because they're not in All the President's Men. <laughs> they're not, All the President's Men actually doesn't even make it to the tapes. It's mm. really just the first like three or four months of the scandal. So, um, so yeah, so people's memory of the scandal is much more narrow than it really was. I mean, Watergate was only one of many scandals that Nixon had. It, it all kind of got reduced in, in our collective memory just to Watergate, but there was a lot more going on uh, at the time that we even, we don't even get into, but so, so it was kind of fun doing like research into these kind of side eddies of of the Nixon era and the scandals that and 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 you know putting them more into the forefront when you look when you think back at that time with all the scandals happening and everything going on Watergate and ITT Hughes and everything just so big and then you go to our modern day time sensibilities now and news is just so much different now I mean back then it was like what three channels and and, and that's all you had now just everything everywhere social media including everything as well do you think the the nature of political scandals is essentially the same, but just the media has changed? Or do you think that we're just dealing with a new type of beast right now in regards to political scandals? Well, I th I think what's been interesting is seeing these January 6th hearings and, and you realize it, it is kind of the same. It really, it comes down to one person has hubris and paranoia and ego, you know, and they're the president or the prime minister. I mean, it could be Boris Johnson, it could be Bolsonaro, you know, you, you name the figure around the world. And, and then they're surrounded by loyal toadies, you know, who mm. are either loyal to them or loyal to their country. And at some point they have to make a decision. And I think that narrative is something that we're seeing really clearly in the States right now, but it, you saw it in Watergate too. You know, he had these these co-conspirators. And then, you know, one of them, John Dean, who was his legal counsel, flipped and, and testified against everyone. And that was a real turning point in that scandal. And was a, you know, and if you're looking at, you know, film and, and the narratives, uh, because it's really all about the characters. And, and that's when you go into the character of these people, that's really what it comes down to is these moral quandaries. Do they stay loyal to the person that they did whatever they did with? Or do they, you know, stay loyal to their country or, or the truth or whatever it is? So I think in that sense, things really haven't changed much. I think you're right. I mean, the acceleration of things. But but it is interesting. One of the, the side notes out of these January 6th hearings is 
wow, we're only hearing about this now. No reporters dug up the stuff about Trump lunging for the steering wheel. Like it's, you know, these things have been a, a secret, you know, for a year and a half. And you would have thought that a lot of this stuff would have come out by reporters, but, um, you know, in some ways reporters now just have, uh, they just, you know, they have to turn things around so fast that they don't have time to do real investigative reporting in, in the way that, that, you know, 50 years ago, print reporters could dig into that. Yeah. Uh, but of course, one of the things we explore too is also that print reporters back then had a lot more anonymity than they do now. Nowadays, mm. print reporters are also pundits on cable stations and they have their Instagram and their Twitter accounts and everybody knows who they are. And back then, not so much. So the, which allows some interesting plot twists in the movie. <laughs> it certainly does. And for everyone out there listening, July 5 on digital and video on demand, 18 and a half. I really recommend people check out this film because, you know, it's, it is it is an historical fiction kind of political thriller, but it's a, a satire at the time as well. It's a comedy. It's got really great performances, really great dialogue as well. I really like the kind of snappy kind of back and forth, especially between, uh, you know, the characters. Um, you know, there's a great kind of dinner scene. I love dinner scenes in movies. I think they're like really just... Honestly, uh, people need to put a complication, a compilation of dinner scenes in movies together because I think they bring about some of the best drama uh, because that's supposed to be like this secret space and it never ever turns out to be that way. And there's, a, there's a great one in 18 and a half. I do recommend people to uh, check out this film. And, and Dan Mirovich, I thank you so very much for your time today. Congrats with the film. Best of luck thank with you. the release. And, uh, yeah, man, hopefully we can talk again in the future. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks. And, oh, just to... Uh, let you know because you're in Australia, right? Um, yes, sir. The film is having its Australian premiere at the Revelation Perth Film Festival, um, July, I think, 9th, maybe. Okay. It's like the end of next week. Um, I won't be there, unfortunately, but the film will be there. So, um, yeah, go, you know, put a shrimp on the Barbie, watch the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah trust me, we're dealing with our. Our own fallouts of our own political scandals down here as well. So there'll be, oh, I'm there'll sure. be a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of keen eyes to want to want to watch. Yeah, that yes, no, I mean that, that. And honestly, that's what's been interesting is because we have shown the film in Brazil, and everyone there was like, "Oh, this is just like Bolsonaro." Yeah. In the UK, they were like, "Oh, this is just like Boris Johnson." So, yeah, it's kind of funny how it uh, <laughs> how it translates, uh, even though it's very American. It's uh, thematically, it goes everywhere. Well, of course, well, you know, going back to what we were talking before about how the decades have passed and the, the nature of the beast is the same, is because while, you know, technology has evolved and other things, human nature is human nature and it comes back to the same foibles of power and ego and all these other things, doesn't it? So yeah, exactly. I think your film really does tap into that really well. So I, I thank you for that and thanks for your time today. All right. Thanks, Matt.